Today we are continuing in this series we started a few weeks ago called The Way of God. And uh, we've been talking about uh, four pathways that help us walk in the way that God wants us to walk in. The way of God is Jesus, by the way. And Jesus, when we receive him as Lord, he wants us to live in the way that he lived. That's what God calls us to. When we become a believer, he's conforming us into the image of Jesus, right? We're, we're Not that we become Jesus ourselves, right? But we're each our own unique expression of the character and the the nature of Jesus, right? And God loves diversity as well. And so, uh, but he's forming us into the, the image and nature of Jesus to walk in the way of Jesus. And so we've talked about these four pathways and the four pathways are love God, live free, build family, and bring the kingdom. And these serve as trail markers, right? So if you get lost on your journey or if you're, you're maybe like, I feel stuck on my walk with God. I, I feel like God's far. Things are foggy. I don't know what to do next. What is God, what is he asking of me, right? We talked about week one, to love God is the greatest commandment. But Jesus said to, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So to do what God says. So what does God say to do to actually how to live our lives? And that's what we've been talking about in this series. And so each of these pathways are, are kind of trail markers that you can look at and go, am I loving God? Am I living free? Am I building family? Am I bringing the kingdom? And then within each of these pathways, we're talking about next steps within each one. So how do you love God, right? And we list it out. These are the things you're, you're called to do, right, as a believer in Jesus to demonstrate your love for God. Same thing last week and how to live free. How do you do that, you know? Um, because so often in, in Christianity, we talk about big concepts, like you can live free of sin. It's like, great. How do you do that? You know, I need help here. And that's really what this series is for. So this week, I want to talk about build family. What do I mean by that? Why? You might be thinking to yourself, I've never heard that type of language when, it, when we talk about following God. What does it mean to build family? I'm talking about building your family, your natural family, your marriage, your, your kids, the natural family around you that God has put you in, that he's given to you. But I'm also talking about building up the family of God. And when you read the word of God, you see God's heart for family and you realize, man, if we're not building up our own families or the family of God, the church, then, then we are not living as Jesus wanted us to live. We're not walking in the way of God. And so um, why is build family one of the main pathways of following Jesus? God is known in scripture primarily as our heavenly what? Father. And he wants to be known as father. God's heart is all about family. God's story is all about family. In fact, the story of history, the story of mankind, the story of mankind's redemption, which is the Christian story, it's a story all about family. Think about this for just a minute with me. Creation started with a family. Adam, but then God said in Genesis 2.18, it's not good for this man to be alone, so he created a helper suitable for him, a, a mate, and the two became one flesh, and you have the first marriage, you have the first family. Now, we know that they sinned, fell away from God, 
And so humanity was fractured. Our relationship was broken. But God started a process of redemption. So creation starts with family. But redemption started with family. It started with a man. God chose a man named Abraham, which he calls the father of faith. And he said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But he was going to do that through a natural family, through giving him a child. And that child would grow up and have children. And that family of faith would become a nation of faith through which God would bring about the Savior of the world. And when that Savior came, John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, And John 1 says that those who receive Christ as Lord, he gives the right to become children of God. So listen to me. Family is God's means and family is God's end. Family is the means with which he created life. Family is the means with which he's redeeming the world. He sent his only son to buy us back so that we could be adopted back into the family of God. And family is his goal. He wants his family back. He wants his kids back. He wants us in heaven to be one big happy family. Family is what it's all about. Perhaps no other verse sums up how serious God is about family than the stern warning in 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This was written to the church. He's saying, Christian people, if God's like, if you're my sons and daughters, for real, if you really love me, if you're really mine, you better be taking care of your family. You better be taking care of your spouse and your children. And so I want to talk today about how God wants us to build up our families. And I want to talk about the three uh, main ways that God calls us to build family. Number one, he calls us to build a healthy marriage. This is, of course, if you're married. Number two, he calls us to build up children in faith and wisdom. Faith and wisdom. Faith is how you relate to God Wisdom is how you relate to the world in a way that will bless them and honor God. Okay, so he calls us to build up healthy marriages, to build up children in faith and wisdom. And then the third way is to build up the church family, to build up the family of God on the earth. We're going to look at each of these. And the first two here, I want to ask you a question. Building up a healthy marriage. Do you know what one of the most important things is that you can do to build a, an extremely healthy, strong marriage. If I, were to, if I were to ask for responses, some people might say, communicate well. How many would say communication is key, right? Very, very important, right? Others might say, serve each other, right? Guys, do the dishes, all right? How many serve each other? That's a good one, right? How many of you uh, have physical intimacy, regularly, right? Can we just, how many of you would say, all the men are like, absolutely, extremely key to having a healthy, strong marriage, right? Um, These are all extremely good things. 
I would say these things are all important in having a healthy, strong marriage relationship, but they're not number one. Do you know what the number one thing is? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That is the most important thing that you can do to have a healthy, strong marriage. Do you know why I say that? Because the word of God addresses all the things that I just mentioned. Because if you really love Jesus, he'll be like, awesome, here's what I want you to do. Obey my commands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Giving himself up for her. It says, don't be harsh with her. Be, be gentle. That's communication in the way you communicate. Serve your spouse. There's even a verse in there about don't withhold yourselves from one another. Have physical intimacy regularly. You might not know that. That's in 1 Corinthians 7. All the men are like, write, write that down. I'm going to go look that up later. And so if you're loving Jesus, number one, one of the number one things, ways that we love God is loving people. And if he's given you a person that's your person, that's the first and foremost person you're meant to love well. Let me give you a little example from my own life. Um, do you know how valuable it is in your marriage to have the Holy Spirit inside your spouse convicting them when you've had a disagreement and you know you're right? It's precious. Somebody said it's precious. It is. I can't tell you how many, how many times this has happened in my marriage. We get into a disagreement, what I call a growth opportunity, you know. We get into a growth opportunity. We have a little disagreement or maybe a big one. We kind of part, part ways for the day, right, to just cool down. Like this ain't, this ain't working. Hashing this out ain't working. So we kind of part ways for the day. And then eventually through the day, you, you cross paths, usually informally. But, man, this has happened so many times. Where when that happens between my wife and I, there's a humility. And let's just be honest, it's usually the other way around. <laughs> I'm the, my wife's like, oh, I praise the Lord that that Holy Spirit is in my husband. Because he makes him listen, right? I get humbled all the time. I think I'm right in the argument. I'm like, oh, she just doesn't see me. You know, oh, told her, she'll realize. You know, I'm out there chopping wood. Holy Spirit's like, hmm. What was that? What did you just say in there? Hmm. You think you were right? Was that the right way? It's like, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. Cool down. Pray about it. Okay, I'm an idiot. Let's go back. You know? That's happened so many times in our marriage, both ways. And every time it does, I'm in awe. And I'm like, how do people who don't have the Holy Spirit do this. Because it's so easy to hold on to pride. And man, I'm just telling you, that's just one example. Forget about all the times you need to make decisions about money. Let the peace of Christ rule. The word rule in Greek means be like an umpire. Let the peace of Christ rule in your lives, in your relationships, 
in your marriage. So you have a disagreement about money. We have this much. I want to spend it on this. I want to spend it on this. What are we going to do? These are different. You know, we both feel like we're right. How are we going to do this? Oh, I know. Pray. Ask the Lord, Lord, we both surrender our will. What do you want? He highlights one. All right. The Lord said, let's spend it on this. And we can trust that. Let Jesus be the umpire. Do you know how valuable that is? And I could go on and on. But the, the number one way that you could ever love your spouse is by first and foremost loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you know the number one way that you can build up children in love and faith and wisdom? It's not a trick question this time. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because scientists have proven through many studies, more is caught than taught. We learn best through experience by watching people and hands-on, on the job, but watching them rather than you just telling them stuff. If you, let's say, let's say you don't have a teaching gift. Let's say you're not very good with people. And you're like, how do I, and I, I just got news for you parents. If you're a parent, you're a pastor. You're a leader. You're responsible. And so God has given you a human soul to care for. And to train up. And based on how you train up or not train up that human soul, build up or not build up that human soul, like spiritual formation is real, physical formation is real. And in those formational years, based on what you do or don't do, it could not only point them to Jesus or not, but it could form the way they view Jesus the rest of their lives and and, and have trouble receiving from church or from Jesus because of how you do or don't do what you're called to do. Being a parent is the biggest responsibility on the planet. And if you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, even if you're not very good at the actual teaching or the discipling, they will see you following God. And you know what they'll do? They'll go, huh, I guess that's the way I should go. And they'll follow you. They'll follow you in that way. But man, if you don't love God with all your heart, and you tell them they should, you're setting them up for failure. They will, they will hear what you're saying, but they will watch your life, and they'll go, nope. Now, the best combination is you do both. Because Scripture's clear. We need to proactively, intentionally train them up in a lot of different ways. And so the biggest thing you can do for your marriage and your kids is you personally pursue Jesus every single day. Love him truly with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you know what the number two thing is that you can do for your marriage and for your children? Live free. Get free, live free. What we talked about last week. Do you know why? Because you can love God. You can get saved. (laughs) You can be on your way to heaven. But if you're not fully free, if you have some strongholds, some wrong ways of thinking, if you're still, if you haven't walked through the process to allow Jesus to heal you 
from all your brokenness. Sin, sin is the wrong things we do. Brokenness is the effects of the sin. When you get saved, Jesus forgives you. Your sin is absolved and wiped away. You're promised heaven. The penalty of sin is removed. Then you, the Holy Spirit comes in and he starts working with you and in you. Because he doesn't override your free will. He starts working in you and with you. For you to start to change now. To become the person that Jesus has always wanted you to become. The person he created you to become. It's the renewing of the mind. And that requires obedience. Doing the things. So if you don't get free. From your hurts. Your traumas. Your abuses. If you don't fully heal from those. If there's demonic oppression involved in your life. If you don't get fully free from that. You can love God, but you will carry that brokenness into your parenting, and you'll pass it on. You will pass that brokenness on, or it will influence how you're shepherding your children, and they'll have a distorted view of what God's like or how they're supposed to follow God. And that's where we end up talking about generational sin or generational curses Sometimes it's a generational stronghold. It's a wrong pattern of thinking. And so if you're free people, you have to learn how to live as free people. And that's one of the greatest gifts you can give your children. And so those, the last two things we've talked about last two weeks, they're foundational. They're so foundational. Love God. Learn how to live free. And that's really all I want to talk about today on your marriage and your children even though those are vast topics, and that part of the reason is because they're vast topics. Uh, we could spend eight weeks on each of those topics to try to help someone be fully understand how they can do those things well. And the Lord put that on our hearts uh, last fall. He gave me this idea, and he's been, he confirmed it through the fall. And, and so uh, we're pulling the trigger. And in about a month... Uh, at the end of February, February 24th through 26th, we are going to host here at our church our first ever Build Family Conference. And this is going to be a Friday night from 6.30 to 9 p.m., a Saturday from 9 to 5 all day with a break for lunch, and then we're going to finish on Sunday morning uh, with our normal services. We have all the kids in here with us. We're all going to have to spread out and go to both services because I don't know how we're going to get all the kids in here because uh, it's pretty full today. Um, but we're going to do that. We will do it. We shall do it, in the Lord willing. But uh, <laughs> And we're going to have Build Family Sunday, and we're going to worship together, and, and we're going to do some cool interactive things with our families uh, that Sunday. It's going to be really, really special. And this conference, I really feel like the Lord put it on our hearts um, to do and Family is so important to him. And as we've been planning it, I was talking to our youth pastor, Jamie Warren, about uh, we were kind of, when you know, when you do something like that, you, you come up with a graphic, you, you start looking at ideas. So you Google what have other people done and all this. And like, there's nothing out there. There's, there's nothing out there like this. And it's such a, I was like, man, why is the body of Christ not talking more about, you know, how to help marriages? Or we plan events for lots of other things but not to help build up families for some reason. And so maybe that's the reason the Lord put it on our hearts. Um, but about the first half of this conference, we're going to talk about how to have strong, healthy marriages, how to communicate well, how to 
reconcile <laughs> when, when things haven't gone well, um, how to heal from really deep hurts uh, in marriage, and then how to maintain, maintain that, that health and that vitality. About the second half of the conference, we're going to talk about parenting of all types. We're going to have uh, talk about blended families. Um, we're going to talk about parenting teens in the age of TikTok. Because let me tell you, it is a different world for teenagers than when I grew up. There's a lot of new things that parents need to be aware of in how we discipline and disciple and raise up our children. And uh, if you're older than me, it's a completely different world uh, than the world you grew up in. Okay, so I'm 38, so, you know, now you know, all right? And uh, you're probably aware of that somewhat, but I'm, I'm, here's what I mean by that. I mean, this happens on a regular basis. Our youth pastor will be like, well, I guess this is going on in, like, teen culture. And we'll just be like, what? We've never even heard of that. What is that? You know? And it's just a different world. And so uh, we're going to talk about how to disciple and discipline children. Okay? And so really practical things to help families do what God says. Because God just says, train up your children the way they should go. Cool. How do I do that? Right? Never been a parent before, which it is my, uh, my theory that that's the reason God makes our memories to where we don't really start remembering stuff till we're like five, seven years old. That's his grace on parents, all right? You got some years to screw some things up, all right? But you better start learning quick because they will start remembering things. Um, so praise God. So we're going to do that. Um, you do need to register for this because we, we're going to open this up to the public because uh, we want to serve as many people as possible, because this is a huge need everywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, But we're telling you first, church families, so you have time to register. We are asking for a $10 a person suggested donation. Uh, if you can't make that, you know, let us know and we'll work with you. Um, but that's just to help cover the cost of some things that we're doing with the conference. Um, and so $10 a person, $20 a couple, obviously, um, and if you want to go, if you know you want to go, I would, I would register this week. You can go to freepeople.church slash build family. That's how you register. Um, I think I covered all the info on that. I want to make sure that I did. Yes. So I really believe this conference is going to be a catalyst to heal marriages, to give marriages the tools to be healthy. Marriages that have been in patterns of not health. Even if you're like, man, like we don't, we don't go crazy, but like it's just not, we just don't communicate well. We just don't connect well. And it's been that way for 10 years. It's been that way since we got married. Like I'm really hoping and praying and I believe that this is going to be a catalyst to heal marriages, help them get some tools to renew the minds, to live differently to, to, in a healthy, loving ways, um, and then also give parents tools uh, I really hope it's going to be a lifesaver some, for some parents. They're like, oh, this is what I need. And, of course, being in a room with like-minded people who are trying to pursue God for their marriages and families um, and meeting other people and swapping stories. Uh, like I said, Saturday, have a break for lunch. You know, go out to eat with some people you're connecting with. Um, it, there's no child care, so find child care for your kids and, and get here. So February 24th, 25th, and then we'll, we'll end it on that Sunday, the 26th, Build Family Sunday. Here's the next step that, that when it comes to building up your marriage, building up 
children in faith and wisdom, I would say it this way. You need to invest in learning how to build up your family. Invest in learning how to build up your family. Invest means you need to spend your time, especially, and your money. That's what invest means. Invest in learning how to build up your family. Proverbs 4, 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Proverbs 23, 23 says, Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Buy it. Buy wisdom and don't sell it. So many people, when they have a problem in life with, let's say you're trying to lose weight. A lot of people have that issue. They want to lose weight, right? But maybe you're not athletic. You didn't grow up playing sports. You don't know much about lifting weights. You don't know much about eating right. And so many people want to lose weight in our culture, and they just start trying to do it. Well, tomorrow I'm going to eat less. I'm going to start working out and eat less. And they start going, and they really don't know what they're doing. And so after about a week, they get discouraged, and they give up. I w- Anybody ever been there? All right, okay. We've been there, right? Think about the biggest loser. Here's a lie from the enemy if you need to lose weight. Well, I weigh too much. Once I went over 100 pounds overweight, I weigh too much. I can't do it. It's not possible. Biggest loser blows that lie right out of the water. You got people losing three, four, five hundred pounds. All things are possible with God. Throw a Bible verse on there. Don't listen to the enemy, right? That's a lie. Why is biggest loser effective, though? You have a lot of people who don't know what they're doing. But they show up. They're in a completely different environment where the tools they need are there. You've got experts who can show them. Like, they just come to this workout. They don't know what they're doing. But they tell them. And and the experts are like, this is going to work. It's a proven plan. This is what you need to do. You do these workouts every day. You eat this. They have nutritionists come in. Boom. Right? Here's your food. Eat this. Don't eat anything else. Right? And if you do that, you will lose weight. Period. It will work. What is that? Wisdom. These people know what they're doing. Now, you and me, right? You're thinking to yourself, I want to lose weight. That show's over, right? Too late for me. Here's what you need to do. Don't just start trying to lose weight. Take a month and invest time and money, research, internet, in how to lose weight, how to do workouts. Research a workout plan that's going to work for you. If you need to, find someone who will help you. Maybe invest in a fitness coach or a nutritionist. Invest the time in how, the planning stage. Get the how. That builds your confidence for, this is going to work. It's a proven plan. And this is going to work for me because this plan will work for me. You get the nutrition down. Then you get the workout plan down. And then a month later, now I'm going to start, right? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Success rate. Go way up, way up, way up, okay? Now think about that. Apply that to every area of life. So many people 
in parenting, in their marriage. Oh, run into problems. And here's what you discover when you run into marriage problems. Oh, I don't really know how to love my wife. I don't know how. The feel-good feelings, they were just feel-good feelings. (laughs) I don't know how to do this. Or maybe I don't know how to do this when it gets hard. Or I don't know how to raise kids. And what a lot of parents do is they don't worry about it till those kids are 12 or 13. And then they go, oh, crap. Oh, crap. Shouldn't say crap in church, pastor. That's what you say in your head. So I'm saying what you say in your head. You say, you say worse things than that. Oh, crap. Now what? The stuff has hit the fan. I better learn how to parent. Listen, don't just start trying to do it. Invest in learning how. One of the ways my wife and I do that is periodically, it's every year we're either reading a book on how to build our marriage, get better at marriage, or build up and raise children. And we just, it's kind of a, as the need goes. And my wife is way better at discerning, you know, when we need that. You know, and she she usually finds the book and she goes usually, hey, you need to read this. And uh, usually how that goes is I go, I don't feel like reading that. I don't want to read that. I've got three other books I'm trying to read right now. I try to read the Bible every day, you know, kind of put it on the list. And then after she hounds me another week or two, I'm like, okay. And then I'll start reading it and I'm like, this book is amazing. Have you started it yet? And then I usually finish it before she does. That's usually how that goes about 90% of the time. And man, you do that for a decade. And you learn from experts in marriage and parenting at a slow pace over a decade. We've read so many books now on marriage and parenting. And and I don't remember 90% of what most of them said. But I can tell you from each one, I can tell you one big thing that I took from it. And that we started doing. And it made a world of difference. Invest in it. And if, listen, if you're a hunter, guys, and you got to invest, oh, honey, it's an investment. See, this bow is going to last me. I'm going to give this bow to our children, and I know it costs a lot, honey, but it's an invest. You know how many deer I'm going to be able to kill? You know how much money we're going to save on the meat? Now, how'd you figure all that out? You put in a lot of internet research, didn't you, on that bow and how much money it's going to save you. And how valuable it is. How much more important is your marriage or your children? And learning how to invest in them. And admitting, I don't know how to be a good dad. You better figure it out quick. (laughs) So invest in it. And man, there's a ton of awesome books I could recommend. Just Google it, best Christian book on parenting. <laughs> and, and pray through that list, and, and the Lord will lead you to one. And just start going. Invest. But here's another way you can invest. Go to the Build Family Conference. Sign up for it. We're going to talk about marriage and parenting. I, I did forget to mention it's 18 and up. Um, and uh, it's, it's mainly for married people and married people with kids. If you don't have kids, if you are single and you're just like, I'm getting ready to get married, more than welcome. But uh, we want to 18 and up, okay? So invest in learning how to build up 
your family. Build up your marriage. Build up your kids. And that's something ongoing. I don't think it's like following Jesus. You don't just become an expert in following Jesus and then quit learning. Disciple means lifelong learner. And so be a disciple of your wife, your spouse, your marriage. Be a disciple of your children as they grow up to parent them through uh, each, each stage to learn how. I should say be a disciple of Jesus to learn how to do that well. So invest in learning how to build up your family. I want to spend the rest of our time today talking about how to build up the family of God. This is, of course, so huge on the Lord's heart, of course, as well, because when we talk about building up the family of God, building up the church, we're talking about salvation, right? We're talking about helping other people come to faith. We're talking about other people pass from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Um, and it's, it's obviously the Great Commission is involved in that, God's mission to save everyone on earth and involving us um, in that mission. So this is a huge on God's heart. I hope I've made it clear, though, um, if we are trying to build the kingdom of God, the family of God, and we're not building our own families, we're ignoring our own families, we're, we're, we're as some would say, sacrificing our own families on the altar of ministry, then we're doing something wrong. Amen? So I want to make that very clear. That's why I put these in the correct order. Uh, building up your marriage and your children and then uh, doing what God has called you to do to build up his family on the earth. So I want to read Ephesians four, eleven through 13. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers... These are leaders in the church that he's listing to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I looked up that word in the in the Greek and the word translated built up there means to promote another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness and holiness to build someone up to promote their growth in Christ and in the faith. And so he's saying Christ gave the leaders of the church to equip people for works of service so the body of Christ, the church family, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So often churches hire pastors and then they go, good, we hired the guy that's going to do all the work, right? And then we just let him do all the work. And that's, that's a pattern you see in American church culture. And uh, pastors and leaders are not actually supposed to do all the work. Um, our main job as pastors and leaders is to be what I would call kind of like coaches who help train the people of God, help train everyone. Equip means to like train, give you the knowledge, the tools necessary, the giftings necessary to, to train and equip you to do the works of service that God has called you to do so that the body of Christ gets built up. And it's not that pastors and leaders don't have work to do. I like to say we're like player coaches, like it seems like it doesn't happen too much, too, too much anymore in, in Major League Baseball. But when I was growing up, you had some player coaches in there, like Ken Griffey Sr. Anybody remember him, right? He was a coach, but he played on it. Nobody. Wow, everybody's like, don't know who that is. All right. I guess Junior's long retired, so 
Uh, if you're less than my age, you're probably like, no idea who you're talking about right now. Um, anyways, have to get some new references. But uh, <laughs> Ken Griffey played on the team, but he was also the coach, right? Why don't you see that in football? Anyways, <laughs> player coaches. So leaders, we're in the trenches with you. We are absolutely serving. We are pouring ourselves out. But we're also training. We're teaching. And we're training, equipping you all to do your work that God's called you to do to help build up the body of Christ. I want to jump down to verse 16, same passage. Ephesians 4, it says, For him, From him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul's referencing the same metaphor he used in 1 Corinthians 12, I believe it is, uh, where he compares the body of Christ to the parts of the body. And he walks through this and, and, and compares you know, people in the church who have different gifts and abilities to parts in a human body. And just like we have many diverse parts in the human body, so the body of Christ, the church, there's lots of different people who all have very different uh, natural talents and abilities, time, resources, and, and, of course, spiritual gifts as well. And we're each a unique expression of the Lord. And he wants us to partner together uh, and each of us to do our part to help the body get built up. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation means an expression. And that's of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about spiritual gifts. To each one is given a spiritual gift. Uh, so not just um, talents and abilities. That's absolutely part of the package too. But he's, he gives each believer a spiritual gift, or usually multiple spiritual gifts, uh, to use in the body to build up the body of Christ. First Peter 4, verse 10, Peter says it this way, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So spiritual gifts, and even natural gifts and abilities, they're not for you. They're not to serve you. They're given for the common good, he says, especially spiritual gifts, right? If you can speak in tongues, that's a cool party trick, right? <laughs> it's not to be a party trick. That's not for you, right? That's for you to either give a prophetic word to bless someone, or for you to pray and intercede to build up the body of Christ, right? Prophecy, right? You can discern words of knowledge. Again, that's not a cool party trick. That's for you. It's to be used. All the gifts are to be used in love to build up others, right? In love to build up others. And you can have those gifts and you can use them to build up others. But if you're not doing it in love, you got to have a love motivation. And that's where, oh, I don't want to get off on this. That's where the prophetic community gets off base. That's where the charismatic community gets off base. Um, when it becomes more about, look how, it's like we take spiritual gifts and we, we view them like the world views talent. Like American Idol. It's like Holy Spirit Idol. <laughs> look at my cool gift. Let's see who has the best spiritual gift. Let's see who's the most anointed. And, you know, and uh, that's where we get off base. And uh, that's where prophecy drifts and gets distorted. And so, but man, when it's used in love, it is beautiful, it is vital, it is supernatural, it is powerful, 
And uh, it's amazing. And so he gives us these gifts for a reason. You have these gifts, and he wants you to use them. Peter's saying, every one of you, whatever gift you have, you should be using it to serve one another, to serve the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, he's using that analogy of the body. Listen to what he says. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Body. I do want to pause right here. I used to read this verse for years as water baptism because that's how I grew up. And you just read it and you just move on. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, we all get baptized. Yep, there's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. It's water baptism. All right, moving on. For we were all baptized in one spirit. All of us, the entire church, every believer in the new covenant in the early church was baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to point that out. There's a verse in Acts that says, all the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to praise the Lord. And so, yes, we are all called to get baptized in water uh, to signify our salvation. But absolutely, the Lord's will is that every believer is filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I think that's, um, I think our culture's I think the way our culture is with not wanting to express ourselves, and, and, and to be honest, American, white Caucasian culture uh, is more so that way um, than even some other uh, more ethnic cultures in the world. And I think that's a real disservice. I think the way that fear of man has played into that uh, in our culture has done a real disservice to the body of Christ. Um, not only does it go against um, the theology of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But when you're really filled with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be an expression. And if you allow that expression to come out, oftentimes you'll discover a spiritual gift in the moment. So you'll know what your spiritual gift is, or at least one of them, right? And then you know I can start using this. When you hold it in, you hold it in, you hold it in. It'd be like, let's say you were gifted with an un- uncanny natural talent on the piano, but you were so afraid of ever making a noise that you never touched a key. You feel like you understand it. You feel like you can do some things, but you never try, so you never know. Start trying. Let it out, right? And, man, the Holy Spirit, especially learning how to use gifts of the Spirit, is very much the same way. Um, and that's a whole other sermon. But, let it out, you know, and church, our church, this space, Sunday mornings especially, this is a safe place to let it out, to express your, your praise, your gratitude, your thanks to God. Man, I just couldn't stop weeping during worship today, and I, I kept that little nagging fear of man. I was like, people are going to think you're going through a struggle, and you're like breaking down, and I'm like, no, Jesus is so good. I was just gratitude, just weeping. I couldn't stop crying. I'm like, am I going to be able to preach today? And I've just learned enough to be like, I don't care what people think. This is the safe place. This is where I worship Jesus. And so this is, it's free people, church. All right, come on. So you're free here. This is the place to experiment. All right, this is the place to try out spiritual gifts. And uh, 
Yeah. You got to test them out. You got to try them out to discover what God has for you. So let me continue. So we're all baptized by one spirit. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. He lists a bunch of parts, right? Jump down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So every single person in here that's a believer, you're a part of the body of Christ, and the body gets built up, Ephesians 4 says, as each part does its work, right? And so a simple way uh, to say that is the more of the church that's doing their part, the more healthy, vibrant, strong, vigorous our church will be um, in not only in practical things but in spiritual things. And then the more effective we'll be at seeing people come to faith and, and reaching, fulfilling the mission that Jesus has given us. And so it's really, really vital. And this is God's heart for you in discipleship is that you play your part, you do your part, and building up the family of God. And so how do you do that? Again, super practical next steps, right? I want to give you some super practical things, especially if you're new to church, you're new to God, you know, you're like, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live my life? Super practical things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to word it in the verbiage of our church context, okay? So you need to, you need to serve at some point. You need to be serving other believers in your local church family. You need to be involved in community, like building friendships uh, in your local church community. This is Acts chapter 2. Um, they, they were devoted not only to the apostles' teaching, but to the fellowship, koinonia, deep friendship intimacy. And you need to, at some point, start giving financially to build up the family of God. Okay? So the way that, that I'm going to word this in our church context, here's the next step. Number one. Join a serve team, okay? Now, if you're not on a serve team, are there other ways to serve the body of Christ? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you can use a prophetic gift or an encouragement gift to to encourage people, pray for them whenever you want. That is building up the body of Christ, right? Serving one another, that's great. Join a serve team, right? Start serving in the church, and I guarantee you, you will start building up this local body of believers. Now, I, I say a local body because maybe you're visiting today and this isn't your church family. That's fine. But take what I'm saying and go to the church family God has called you to. And if, you're, if you don't know what that is, he is calling you to a local church family. You need to pray about that. Go on that journey. Find that church family. Get plugged in, involved, and be devoted to that church family. Okay? Um, and so there's a lot of great churches around here, but if you're a part of our church family, if you're a believer and you're like, this is my church home, I want to encourage you to join a serve team, okay? Use the gifts you've received to serve one another, faithfully administering God's gifts to you in its various uh, forms. So what do I mean by serve team? Most of our serve teams are Sunday morning teams, weekend serve teams is what we might call those. I'm going to walk through some of those real quick so you know about them and how to get involved in them. We have our Wild and Free Kids Ministry. Can we hear it for them? 
This is our largest serve team ministry because it takes a lot of people to to teach and train up all those kids over there week after week, service after service. And, uh, man, it's a really special place to get involved. And I would say this, too. Um, if you are a parent of a wild and free child, unless you're serving in some other area, we want you to serve at some point in wild and free kids because you're already responsible for shepherding that child. If you're new to faith, serving back there will help give you tools to know how to disciple them at home. It's a community unto itself. You'll get to know some of your kids' friends so you can keep an eye on them. You know what I'm saying? And, hey, everybody back there ain't a saint. We know that. Hey, so-and-so invited me over to spend the night. You're like, oh, I know so-and-so, and I know his parents, so no, you are not going to, okay? Right? It's a community. You build friendships. You get to know other parents. You learn how to disciple up your own kids better, and you'll help participate in discipling up the kids in this church, okay? And it's so, so powerful. And, and the way I'm so proud of, of April, our, our kids' pastor, um, with how we've transitioned last year and changed things and going to longer services. What are we going to do in kids? And, and man, she has come up with just this beautiful, amazing system back there where they rotate rooms every 20, 25 minutes. And it's a different, you know, they do a Bible lesson, but they're also getting, there's a prayer and journaling room. There's a Holy Spirit room. Uh, there's a prophetic arts room. There's a crafts room. You know, if you just like the whole babies, there's a room for that. You just sit there and hold babies, all right? And so there's something, you know, for everyone to be able to serve in wild and free. And it, it you'd be blown away at, at the things that happen back there week after week. I think a few weeks ago, we had three kids get saved in wild and free kids, And so it's really awesome, and uh, it's an amazing place to serve, and I'm so proud of them, and uh, and how they're they're just serving the Lord back there. I don't know what else to say about it. So it's an amazing place. That is our greatest need because it takes the most people. It's really straightforward, Um, and I do want to say, I'll say that at the end. So um, also we have a safety team, which is. uh, you know, some people who kind of patrol our church uh, during services, uh, before and after as well, just kind of make sure everything's uh, going the way it should be. And if there's ever an issue, they're the ones who, who jump in and intervene and help take care of that. Um, we also have our uh, first impressions uh, slash guest services team. Uh, and uh, that's our parking team, our greeters. Um, they help welcome people to our church. Um, we also have our worship team up here on stage. Uh, we also have the production team, which is audiovisual lighting that helps support our worship experiences. Uh, we also have our ministry team, another team I'm super proud of, these people uh, who are just growing in spiritual gifts. You know, if you have spiritual gifts of prophecy, healing, uh, ministering to people in those ways, that would definitely be uh, a team you might want to uh, get involved in. And, and so, by the way, I do want to mention, Dallas, can you stand up real quick? We recently, can you stay standing? The rest of the service. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is Dallas Barber. He's, him and his wife, Lynn, have been a part of our church for almost since we started, probably eight or nine years now. And uh, they lead a, a rehab, drug rehab ministry. It's actually a discipleship, expanding to a discipleship ministry, I-68 Ministries. They're amazing people. 
and uh, they've served on our ministry team since we've had it. Um, and uh, they're very gifted in the spirit, very wise, and love them so much as people. But we recently made Dallas our ministry team leader. And so, yes, it's awesome. And he's a great leader and a great teacher. He's a prophet. He's a man of God. And uh, he'll be here up front uh, during the services before and after, uh, along with, you know, helping shepherd our ministry team. But uh, you can have a seat now. Thank you, Dallas. And uh, they do a great job. Just incredible. And so that's a, a potential way to get involved. And then our, uh, well, yeah, we're, we're praying into starting an intercession team. So that one's not ready yet, but I'm going to sprinkle it out there. Um, and so that would probably be perhaps on Sunday mornings, but also through the week, of course. And so these are a lot of the ways you can get involved. And then if, I would say this, if you are a believer in Jesus, if this is your church home, it's time. <laughs> it's time for you to get involved. Okay, and uh, I want to encourage you uh, to do so. Uh, When we ask people to get involved in most of these areas, we usually ask them to serve uh, two uh, weeks a month. So if you think about about every other week, about every other Sunday, you would serve one service on most of these teams. And so if you were serving in kids every other week, you would serve one, attend one. So you'd either come serve and then attend the next or you'd come, attend a service, and then serve the next about every other week. And so um, many hands make light work, you know. The more people that get involved, uh, the less uh, of, a, of a requirement, or the less of a, the time involved, and the work's just easier. And so that's why we say, man, just, just get involved and pray about it. See what the Lord's calling you to, but he's probably calling you to kids. So um, right after the service today... Uh, <laughs> amen. And so uh, after the service today, um, our Connections Pastor Ruth Irwin and April Goodrich, our kids pastor, they'll both be out at the info center that's out, the one to your right, so it's out of the flow of traffic. And if you're ready to get involved today, stop by and talk to one of them, um, and uh, they can get you started on the process uh, of doing that. And so I think that's the last thing I want to mention on that. So join a serve team. Um, Also, here's a next step for you. Uh, Join a group. And in our culture and in our church context, we really view this as a vital next step. Because as I said next to you, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, koinonia, being together is really what that means. They devoted themselves to being together and to sharing life. Sharing deep friendship intimacy is what that means. Not just showing up at church, hey, how you doing? Cool, see you next week. They got to know each other. And, and they met together every single day. And the early church, when you read Acts, you realize it says several times, they met in the temple courts, Solomon's colonnade, which is a big public area, probably hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands after Pentecost. And they met house to house. And the house-to-house gatherings were very small, only how many you could fit in your house. Maybe 20, maybe like 50 or 75 if it's crammed and there's people standing outside, right? Which possibly was going on back then. But the house-to-house were the small gatherings. And this is where they not only got to, they would worship, they would, they would talk about the apostles' teaching, they would pray together. But you know, when we get together in the big group, it's ideal for teaching, communicating to a lot of people at once, 
It's ideal for corporate prayer. We're praying for these, our community. We're praying for our church, these big overarching things. It's ideal for worship. Let's all worship the Lord together. What it is not ideal for is getting to know one another. And it's really hard to get to know people, right? And so those house-to-house meetings, that's where you absolutely pray. Yeah, you can talk about teaching, what grow in faith. But, man, you do it getting to know one another one-on-one. As, as Ruth said earlier during the announcements, it's where our big church gets small, right? It's where you get to know people. And then you go, man, I want to pray about what's going on in your life. What's going on in your life? Oh, well, I, you know, there's too many people at church, and I wrote it on the board, but I didn't tell anybody. I was just diagnosed with cancer. It's like, oh, my goodness, we need to be praying for you, right? And, man, you want to talk about the church getting built up in love, you'll never feel more loved, known, and valued than when you confess your greatest vulnerabilities to someone else. And they, they, they value that. They cherish it. They honor that. And then they pray for you, and they carry those burdens with you. It's just like, oh, my goodness. That's, that's where our, our, our big church gets small, right? That's where community is built. And so, as Ruth said, we're, we're making space for group leader signups over the next few weeks. And I would just pray about it. Um, if you have a desire for community, like this is a huge longing on your heart, pray about hosting a group at your house. And it's no pressure. You don't have, you can do whatever you want. It could just be a community group, just getting to know people from church, you know, like-minded people. You can do a study, you know, we do have Right Now Media that that is available to our whole church uh, that you can have a login for. If you let us know, we can send it to you if you don't have it yet. Tons of awesome Christian content on there. If you wanted to do a Bible study, you can do whatever you want. We would encourage you to meet at your house because, man, you just get to know people. They'll get to know you better meeting at your house. And uh, it's just a more comforting, inviting environment. We do make the church available, but it's just, you know, it's a little more sterile. It's a little more like being a classroom sometimes. And so join a group. Host a group. Lead a group. Join a group, right? Be involved in groups. It's getting involved in uh, the lives of the people here. And then the last next step I want to mention today is at some point, start giving financially. And I know everybody's in a different place. Maybe you're not quite ready for that yet. But I just want to read to you the word of God, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. See, Apostle Paul going to the church in Corinth, and he's like, man, when I get there, I don't want to have to, like, hey, it's time for an offering. He's like, here's what you should do. Just as you make money every week, you know, your paycheck, take a little bit out in proportion with your income, in keeping with your income. That's called a percentage. <laughs> take a percentage, whatever it is, whatever you pray about, set it aside, and then when it's time to give, give, right? And so, in the Old Testament, there was the precedent of the tithe. Tithe literally means 10%. Now, for them, it was a command of God. God commanded, you must give 10% of everything. Now, this was a nation. This was like their taxes, right? And so it was, it was a non-negotiable. If you didn't pay it, you were in big trouble. But the main part of the tithe mainly went to supporting the work of the temple and the ministry of the word of God, because the priests were the ones who were teaching the word of God to generation after generation. And they would use some of it to help care for the poor and the oppressed in their, in their country. That's what the tithe was for. Now, in the Old Testament, it was a law. 
We're not under law. We're not the literal nation of Israel, right? We're the people of Jesus. We're under the spirit of grace. So giving and giving 10% is not a law in Christianity. Here's what I mean by that. This is not a salvation issue. If you never give one penny to a church, that does not mean that you won't go to heaven. You going to heaven has to do with what you do with what Jesus did on the cross, whether you receive him by faith as your Lord and Savior, confess him with your mouth, get baptized in water. All right? That's how you deal with that situation. has nothing to do with money. Okay? But here's the deal. If you're grateful for that, if you really love God, you will care about what God cares about on the earth. And you read the Bible and you realize what God cares about most is people coming into the kingdom. And you read from cover to cover, Old and New Testament, and you realize God wants his people to give and be generous because being generous is becoming like God the Father. He's generous in nature for God to love the world he gave. And so it helps when you give as a spiritual discipline, it helps dethrone materialism on your heart. It helps your heart go, oh, money's not everything, and I'm going to trust God, and I'm really grateful, and I want to help more people come to faith in Christ, so I'm going to support the church and their work. And I know they use some of that to give to the poor, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. Um, So I'm going to give. So if you care about the Lord, if you love him, you will give, you will invest at some point. And it's a discipleship issue. And spiritual growth is a process. And so if you start as a spiritual infant, maybe you're not ready yet. Progress to a spiritual child. Children are selfish, right? You still don't quite realize Then you become a spiritual young adult and go, wait, it's not all about me. I'm so grateful for my salvation. I want to start investing in the kingdom of God. And so there's no timeline. There's no like, if you've been here a year and you're not giving, we're going to come to your house and knock on your door and we're going to find you. And uh, no, uh, we don't do that. I don't have time to do that, y'all. We'd have to. Okay, I was going to make a really bad joke. Um, We don't do that. Uh, I, I set the word of God before you. I say, this is what he wants. This is his heart for you. And it's up to you to obey that or not. And uh, I'm saying if we all do obey him, um, our church will be being built up and be really healthy and vibrant. And, and as far as money goes, well, it really applies to everything. We'll be able to do more for the kingdom. You know, the more we pray, the more stuff happens in the kingdom. You know, the more we worship the Lord, the more our love grows for him, man, the more the Holy Spirit just goes crazy, right? The more we give, the more stuff we can do. It's just a really fun thing. And so um, I want to encourage you in this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 20 and 21, he said, don't store up your for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves break in and steal, moth and rust destroy and all that. He said, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said your heart will follow what you're treasuring. And what you treasure in your heart is very connected to what you spend your money on. And so, in other words, he's saying what you spend your money on shows what you really care about in life. And so, but he also says, where your treasure is, there your heart will go. And um, 
again, I just want to ask that question. If, if you care about the things of God, are you investing in the things of God? Are you investing in the things of God? Let me ask it this way as we, as we close this out. Is your heart, where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. Is your heart invested? Is your heart, your whole heart invested in building up your family? Is your whole heart invested in building up your marriage? Is your whole heart invested in building up your children? It's going to cost time, money, resources. That's what investment is. Is your heart invested in building up the kingdom of God, building up the family of God, building up your church family? How can we go love the world? And as we're going to talk about next week, bring the kingdom. How can we go love the world, win the world, if we can't even love the people sitting next to us? If we can't even care about what they're going through? If we can't even building up our own church family? Oh, the church is so divided. Oh, the church in the world. Oh, it's so terrible. The church is broken down. Oh, the church. Oh, it's so bad. How can we worry about fixing the church in the world? If we're not invested in fixing our church and making our church healthy and vibrant. Amen? Are you invested in the things that God is calling you to invest in? Are you invested in building family? Because family is God's means. Family is God's goal. It's his end. I want to close today by just entering a ministry time. And I want to start with an offer of salvation. As I mentioned earlier, the whole reason we're here today is God wants you to be a part of his family. It is just that simple. Life's complicated. Make it real simple. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. I talked about it week one. The way you receive what Jesus did for you on the cross is to confess with your mouth, he's my Lord. And what you're confessing is, I agree with you, God, I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner and I need your help. And I want you, Jesus, to apply what you did on the cross to my heart, to my life, to take away my sin to give me the hope of heaven so I can go to heaven and be with you. Once you've done that, at some point, he asks you to get baptized in water, which we make available as needed. And we can set that up anytime, but I just want to make some space. If you guys would just close your eyes, bow your heads. And if there's anyone here who's not yet received Christ as Lord and confessed him as your Lord and Savior, said a prayer to just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Jesus, you are my Lord. It's that simple. But if you mean it sincerely from your heart, he will save you. It will change everything. Your sins will be wiped away. He will give you the gift of his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come in. He will make you brand new. And he will start walking with you every single day to help you live the way that God calls you to live. And so if that's you here today and you want to make that decision, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And if you raise your hand, I'll lead you in a short, simple prayer where we just confess that together. I'll have every other believer pray this prayer with us. So if you want to pray that prayer, just lift up your hand right now and say, that's me, anybody at all. 
I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? Yes, God. Thank you for salvation today, Jesus. All right. Let's just pray with those who raised their hands today. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Help me live for you all the days of my life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In your name I pray these things. Amen.